I'm always looking for screen-free options to entertain my kids, especially my oldest when we have long car rides or things like that. And something that I really love using with him are podcasts. And there's a really cute new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories, which uh, the acronym is MATH, M-A-T-H. And it's from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted? And Netflix Brainchild. And it's all about the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories. And it follows these two characters, Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. And they're on adventures through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history. And it's really funny, which makes learning kind of cool. And it's perfect for ages six and up. So new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter your kids won't even realize how much they're actually learning and my oldest is about six and a half and he loves stuff like this so it's a great new podcast to introduce to your kids the episodes are really short like 15 to 20 minutes so tune in to mysteries about true histories with your older kids you can follow and listen on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts Welcome to the episode, and today we're talking to Kelly Kendall. Kelly is a nurse, IBCLC, and founder of The Balanced Boob, which is an amazing name, and you provide support and education to breastfeeding families, and Kelly is also passionate about helping to realistically prepare families for breastfeeding and any challenges that might come up, and helping with self-compassion and education. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining today. I'm really excited to talk. I am so excited to be here. And I was just telling you before we started recording that I have a clogged duct right now or that I'm getting over. So it's very appropriate that we're talking today because I've learned a lot about how to Perfect. manage that from your page. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you started the balanced boob and like how you kind of came to supporting families in this way? Yeah. So I trained as a nurse and worked mostly in mom baby, but really my inspiration for becoming an IBCLC and learning more about feeding was my own hellacious experience <laughs> as a new mom. As similar <laughs> to your story, it was just, yes. I was so underprepared and so overwhelmed. It was really, really hard. And so that's what really inspired me to get more educated and su- start supporting families. And then I've transitioned from working in the hospital to prepare people for their breastfeeding experience. And, you know, how do we avoid the mom who goes into her birth, like preparing for birth and just kind of hoping and wishing that breastfeeding goes well, and then being Mm -hmm. like, hit over the head with how much information there really is and how overwhelming can be. So, you know, coming to it from a place of like, really hoping to give people education about their bodies, and how breastfeeding works, so people can be empowered to make decisions that work for them. I love that. And I think in today's kind of like parenting world, there is so much information. There's so much misinformation and a lot of it is health related. And so it's a lot of it is also breastfeeding related. And so I think for new parents, it can be almost worse now than when I first became a mom six years ago, because, you know, I took like a breastfeeding class, but I wasn't consuming tons of Instagram or TikTok content about breastfeeding. So I was kind of just like, getting my information from one source that I trusted and and going with that. But I think today it can be really hard for people to navigate who should I listen to and and which pages are legit and what is all of this information really trying to to tell me. So do you feel like when you talk to families, that's a big kind of theme is that yeah. they're either totally underprepared or totally overprepared with like too many different conflicting ideas? 
Yeah. And I think similar to like the sleep industry, there's a lot of confusion on credentialing and what things mean. And there's a lot, not that parents can't have, you know, good information that they can pass to each other, but there's a lot of influencers, mom influencers that can knowingly spread a lot of maybe old information or something that worked for them, but really isn't the most up-to-date strategy. And especially like with clogged ducts, I think it was really at a peak like a couple years ago with kind of the really bad information that moms were telling each other, like, go in the shower, take your electric toothbrush. If you're not bruising yourself, you're not going to get it out. And I think there's just a lot of a lot of noise out there. And it's it's really overwhelming, especially when you're just trying to keep your head above water, you right. know, for what content is legitimate, who can you trust? There's just a lot of noise. And it's a the Instagram is a really busy place. And as much as like we both love educating on there, for new parents, really it can be so overwhelming to know kind of where to go and who to trust in that experience. Yeah, it can be really tough. And like you were just saying with the mastitis protocol being semi-recently updated, right? I just had my third baby eight months ago or so and got mastitis with her twice very early on. And it took a follower telling me like, oh, they actually just changed this like last year. You should not be using (laughs) massage and you should not be like heating it, you know, excessively, like they actually have changed recommendations. So I had to like educate myself kind of in real time. And so even though I have access to so much of this information and I'm kind of in this space, like I still was like, oh shit, like I didn't know I was not supposed to be massaging anymore. So yeah, I can only imagine like for every other mom out there who's doing this for the very first time, it's just, there's so much. So are those the types of things that you're able to teach people in boob school or like what what is your favorite like format to teach? Yeah, so I what I really love about boob school which is my breastfeeding program, I think having a container like just like how you talked about there's so much noise, there are so many voices, people don't know what to where to go and creating a resource that has kind of everything in one spot that's really curated. Yeah makes people feel really safe. Breastfeeding and being a parent for the first time or the fourth time is just an incredibly vulnerable experience where I think anything that we can do for ourselves that kind of creates safety and gives us resources that we can kind of access, an alternative to doom scrolling, an alternative to looking just at random people's reels and trying to make sense for for ourselves. I'm really interested with anything that I create is not just, is it really good, you know, evidence-based information, but does it create safety for people? Like, is it from a lens of self-compassion? Those Mm -hmm. things are super important to me. And I think just as a new mom, like we're so incredibly hard on ourselves that sometimes I think the most important thing I say to people is just like, you're doing the best you can. And that is always enough. And that to me is like the thread that goes through everything and is just as important as the clinical piece and it, and oftentimes more because, you know, we can just make things so much harder for ourselves because we're trying to be 
perfect and we feel like things need to look a certain way. And I know this through my own lived experience because I was very much that way. So really coming from a framework of like, how can we treat ourselves with really deep kindness as we're navigating this thing that can be really, really, really hard. That doesn't necessarily mean we're doing it wrong. That's just kind of part of the human experience and part of becoming a parent is just sort of this, these huge shifts and this huge vulnerability that comes up for people. Yeah. I love that you said that. And I say, I, I share the same sentiments a lot of times with sleep, like just because it's really hard right now, doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Like have, like you said, some compassion for yourself and like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think as far as sleep and feeding are concerned, they're two really loaded topics. And there's a lot of like, not just anxiety about it, but shame. And if it's not going the way you thought it would, or you the way that you think it should, there's a lot of shame and a lot of feelings wrapped up in that. So yeah, and I think for women, especially kind of I'll, you know, call myself out, but you know, high achieving perfectionist tendencies, um, mm-hmm. birthing our babies and feeding them and, and helping them sleep and parenting them overnight. Like it's the first time that we are faced with like, we can't control it. Like you can be doing, you can be checking every box and you can want it so bad. And still you can't control another human being. You can't control your body. And so, you know, how do we speak to that? Because to me that so much of the work is really living with that kind of duality So, you know, doing that dance of, I want great clinical information. I want, you know, what to do when something, a trouble comes up, but I also want you to be able to be really deeply tender with yourself. I think it comes so easily for us to be that way with our kids. You know, we're, we're so patient with them as moms. We never think their body is wrong, but we're so quick to turn on ourselves and just be like, oh my God there's something wrong with my milk, I'm not doing this right. Or, you know, if only I tried harder or, you know, so I think how can we bring that same sort of sentiment to ourselves is really can make things a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. So what do you think, you know, to kind of set a mom up for a journey that's going to be not just in whatever way it is for her successful, whatever that means for her, right? So that could be fully breastfeeding, that could be pumping, that could be a combination of things. What do you think are some of the most important things for her to learn before baby might even be born or in those very early days? So really, really think that every mom kind of deserves to know the basics of how milk supply works. And I do find Mm -hmm. personally teaching mom's hand expression early on is incredibly powerful because it really gives you a concrete tool to support your baby through challenges. You know, I think we, at least for me and for a lot of the moms that I worked with in the hospital when I was there, we kind of had this idea that you're going to birth your baby. We're going to put them on our chest and they're going to like scooch over there and latch. And that Mm -hmm. definitely does happen. And it's beautiful when it does, but when it doesn't, parents are just like flabbergasted and don't really have anything to pull from. And I think that's super anxiety provoking for people So setting themselves up, I really find if you know hand expression and you're able to use it, prevents a lot of difficulties early on. Of course, like the foundations of latching and, you know, how baby's reflexes can help us. And I think just having kind of your 
resources of support lined up. So, you know, in Boob School, we have a Facebook group and support calls. If that's something, if it looks like that for you or finding a local support group or finding a lactation consultant in your community and maybe contacting them before birth, like setting yourself up for kind of the journey that you want and also the safety net if things don't go the way you planned and sort of this idea that <laughs> I think with parenting or breastfeeding, we sort of go in and we're like, I'll, I'll figure it out when the time comes. When the time comes, you are sleep deprived, you are emotional, you are in survival mode. Like, girl, you're this potentially is not the in time. pain. Yeah, no. Right. So I think kind of changing the language and, and, and telling moms the truth. Like, I think to me, I and you too, like, I can be on my platform talking all the time about educating yourself and how empowering that is. But it really, the way we will change this for each other is if we tell each other the truth about how hard it is. And we tell our sisters and our cousins and our friends, like, educate yourself on this. Like, you will never regret learning about this and, you know, prioritizing your education. I think we kind of prioritize what we think we can control, like the gadgets. And if I have this device or this thing, or this is going to make things easier, but really what makes things easier is your resources and your support. Totally. I so agree with that. And I also, I see this shift on social media. I don't know if you've noticed it as well, but I think that, you know, Instagram and, and social media used to be this very like idyllic place where it was like, beautiful feeds, aesthetic, everything looking beautiful and perfect. And then it kind of went the other direction and more like real relatable content was being, you know, prioritized more and people were really identifying with that type of content. And now it's almost swinging back where people are like, I don't want to see how hard things are anymore. Like stop talking about how hard motherhood is or stop scaring people. And I see this, especially on TikTok, but it's really like a lot of backlash for people I don't want to say the word complaining because it's not complaining, right? But that's the perception is that moms, all they do is complain. All they do is talk about how hard it is. Why do you even have kids? But I I do think that we need to be honest and we need to talk about, yes, it's wonderful and it's joyful and it's all these things, but it also can be really hard and we need to prepare people for that. Now, if you know me, you know that I love to cook and I love creating healthy meals for my family. But even more than that, I love things that are easy and convenient. And even though I love to cook dinner for my kids, sometimes for things like lunches or if I'm just going to be working at night and need something easy for myself to grab, I love Factors meals. And especially now in the spring and summertime where we've got more plans, we're busier, we're outside, we're going out and doing things more. Having Factor meals in my fridge is such a game changer because they're healthy, they're zero prep and they're so fresh and delicious. Factors fresh and never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes right from your microwave. So no matter how busy you are, you always have time to enjoy nutritious and great tasting meals. And when I tell you they are actually delicious, I 100% recommend these. My mom even recently asked me, are they really good? I heard you talking about them on your podcast, but is it, are you really saying that you like them? And I said, yes, you have to order them. They are actually so, so yummy. So what are you waiting for? There are 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons you can choose from each week. So you always have new flavors to explore. You'll never get bored with the same old meals. They truly taste like restaurant quality, so you don't feel like you're depriving yourself of anything. It actually feels like you're fueling up your body with delicious food that is real and super, super nutrient dense. 
So you can enjoy this effortless support to your lifestyle, choose from six menu preferences to help you manage whatever goals you have, and simply just eat well-balanced, delicious, easy food. Head to factormeals.com slash no one told us 50 and use code no one told us 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. So this is an amazing deal. That's code no one told us 50 at factormeals.com slash no one told us 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% of your next month while your subscription is active. And feel free to send me a message and ask me for my favorite meals because I love talking about them and I'll be happy to help you choose. Today's podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, and medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburn, rashes, and other types of skin damage. And the best part is that it's safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for use on all skin types and all parts of the body, even with rosacea, eczema, or acne-prone skin. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the littlest member of your family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. I have three kids. We have injuries in our house almost daily, and so it's so nice to have active skin repair to reach for in my cabinet because I know that it's safe, natural, and non-toxic. We use it for things like burns or scrapes or cuts. My youngest daughter recently had a really bad finger injury and we were using it on her and it did not sting or burn her at all. So it was perfect. Today, as a listener of this podcast, you can get a special discount on your order of active skin repair. Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more and to get 20% off your order, use code no one told us. That's activeskinrepair.com code no one told us for 20% off your order. Yeah, I think it's so much of parenting is just holding the duality, like holding the both. Like it is incredibly hard. It is always changing. There is so much uncertainty and and how do we like feel safe and good and joyful in the fact that, you know, there is a lot of hard parts about it. And for me personally, I'll just speak to like when I was a new mom, that was incredibly freeing. Like Mm -hmm. I truly had this perception that like I had to be loving every moment of things. Like I had to be loving the middle of the night feeds. Like I wanted this baby so much and the right way for me to love her would be loving every minute and really resist. It made me feel guilty for not and just sort of accepting that sometimes it's hard and sometimes Mm -hmm. you feel resentful that doesn't mean you aren't going to like crawl in their room and stare at them at two in the morning and like literally cry because you love them so much, (laughs) but it's kind of the, the both parts of it. And I mean, my kids are older now. I have an 11 year old and a nine year old and that really hasn't changed. Like it really continues it, you know, the details change and what they need from you changes, but that duality remains very much a part of it. And I think that's what it means to be human. You know, I do too. And getting comfortable with that, like the sooner you get comfortable with that fact that two things can be true at the same time, that you can love your kids and want to cry at how adorable they are. And also you're exhausted and it really sucks sometimes and it's hard. Like it can all be true at the exact same time. And I think the more we try to fight that, the more miserable we are. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So as far as like for new parents or or parents that are about to welcome another baby or their first baby, what would you say are the, you mentioned hand expression being very compassionate with yourself. And I love those tips so much. What are some other things that you think new parents might 
not be as prepared for. Cause I think we do so much prep. Like we go to birth classes. We spend hours and hours on our baby registry, but not everybody is really prioritizing learning about breastfeeding or learning about alternatives to breastfeeding or, or things to complement or supplement with breastfeeding. So what do you think are like the main things that people struggle with in those early days that could be helped or solved with just kind of education? Yeah. I mean, I think people sometimes go in having this really idyllic or like, this is one, this is how it's going to look. Like I'm going to exclusively breastfeed and, you know, I'm not going to start pumping until this point and we're not going to introduce bottles until the four weeks old, or we're not going to use a pacifier. And my kind of gist is I really do think that if we should be prepared for kind of all, because I think there are the people that I see meeting their goals, you know, and I am not someone that thinks like exclusive breastfeeding is the only way. Like there's many right. people that are combo feeding in boob school. And I honestly like whatever makes you feel connected to your baby and good in your body, you should do. But I think people feel like a failure if they need to pivot from what they thought their journey would look like. Yeah. And understanding that, you know, especially if you're having breastfeeding difficulties, that it's not a linear like there can be a lot of ups and downs, things can shift a lot of different ways, you know, and knowing that that can be okay, and part of the process, and that you're not wrong for that, I think is just it gives people the freedom to suffer a little bit less. Because I think it's that like double edged sort of like something isn't going the way we think it should. And then that's hard enough. But then we kind of beat ourselves up because of it. And that doesn't help anybody. But knowing it's okay if maybe you need to take a 24 hour break and pump because you're crying every time you watch your baby. Like, yeah, that is an okay thing to do. Or you need to shift and introduce bottles for a little while. Like all of those things, we want to understand how they can impact things. And we want to tell the truth and be educated. But I think kind of holding a little more loosely to what we exactly think the right way is, gives a lot of freedom and a lot of space for people to actually embrace what feeding looks like now. And instead of kind of fighting for this ideal that they thought that it would be. For sure. So what are some of the biggest myths that you see either on social media or just in the people in boob school coming to you saying, oh, I thought I had to do this or, oh, I thought this was the best way. Like, what are some of those there's like myths that just won't die. Like there are so many in the baby yeah. sleep world. And I think, I think in the feeding world, there are too. What are some of the, the biggest ones that you see that make you just want to like bash your head against a wall? I would definitely okay. say the idea that pain is normal. Of course, everyone's in pain for three to four weeks or longer. No. That really isn't true. Um, if you're in continuous pain with breastfeeding, like there is something going on. That's your body's way of telling you that, you know, something isn't right. And I see these poor moms that are like, I am crying every time I watch my baby and I feel horrible about it. And, you know, that is your body's response to something that's going on and responding to it and, and not wanting to breastfeed when you're in pain is normal biological nervous system behavior. We don't want to do things that hurt us. So that is a big one. So pain isn't normal. Another big one for me is this like, Babies need to feed on both breasts for like 15 minutes and 15 minutes. So a lot of times, you know, we hear much more kind of about low supply. I think people being concerned that they don't have enough milk. But a lot of moms, 
may have more milk than they need. And that baby may be doing just fine on feeding on one breast and they feel really worried or scared that baby isn't going to the other side. Mm. And so that's something that kind of won't ever die that, you know, it's, it may be totally normal. And if your baby is peeing and pooping and growing, that your baby only may want to feed on one side, especially in the beginning when you have a lot of milk. I think also the things about mastitis and clogs that, you know, massaging, heat, sticking vibrators and electric toothbrushes and breast massagers into our breasts are kind of the way to go about things. And they really aren't. And there's so much that we're learning about how the microbiome works in the breast and how the breast responds to different types of massage that people are doubtful because when we're teaching the kind of massage that you need when you're dealing with engorgement or mastitis, it's so light and gentle. People Mm -hmm. kind of, we live in this society where like more is better. And so I feel like people (laughs) hear me say like, you know, touch your breast, like you touch your newborn's cheek. People kind of have this thought like, well, this literally can't possibly work. That can't possibly work. Right. Right. I have this clock. I have to get it out. And sort of shifting our thinking from to the breast being inflamed and this being an inflammatory process and wanting to kind of move the inflammatory fluid out of the breast is really the foundation of it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about mastitis just for those because I had never heard of it before I had it. And I've had it with my second and third baby a few times. Can you just talk about like what mastitis actually is and what we can do to maybe prevent it from happening in the first place? Yeah. So anytime we're talking about itis in the body, it just means inflammation. Okay. It just, so a lot of people, when they hear the word mastitis, they immediately think it's an infection. Mm-hmm. Although mastitis can be infectious, it definitely is not always. And the other thing that we've learned recently that's shifted is the idea that the mastitis is a spectrum. Okay. So even when we're talking about clogs, that's still a part of the mastitis spectrum. It's just kind of earlier on in things. So if you're kind of someone that is always getting clogs or really sore red areas in your breast, that's kind of subacute mastitis. And we really used to encourage people that they needed to kind of keep the breast empty, right? We, the, so feed and pump really aggressively on that side. And what we've learned is that kind of can perpetuate this problem with moms with oversupply. So having an oversupply, which means you have more breast milk than your baby needs, is is a pretty big risk. So mm-hmm. managing, you know, I, I have a lot of, you know, when I meet with moms and we're talking about, you know, I, I've literally had three clogs this month, or this is my fourth mastitis. Many, many times, really what we need to address is an oversupply and helping them to kind of manage that and and slowly bringing their milk supply more in line with what their baby needs. The other part of mastitis that we're learning more and more about is just like everything in the body, your breast has a microbiome. It's not a sterile environment like we used to think it is. So when we have a healthy breast, it just means that our, you know, those good bacteria are in balance. And when we're experiencing, especially like chronic mastitis, chronic clogs, it's really a sign that our breast microbiome is disturbed. And we have found that like addressing the breast microbiome with really specific probiotics that are targeted for 
healthy breast tissue can really reduce the incidence without a mom needing to necessarily go on antibiotics. Okay, interesting. So are you finding that it happens more so in the first few weeks or months? Because for me, that was always when I would get it the most was when I had a newborn. And is that just because your supply is still kind of regulating? Yeah. So it's actually most common in the first month postpartum. And that's really probably has to do with exactly like you're for many moms in the beginning, your body just really overshoots what your newborn needs and you just Mm -hmm. have so much milk. And so that's when we hear, you know, moms experiencing mastitis most frequently. We also see it during vacations, during the Mm -hmm. holidays, when, when the feeding rhythm is just off with baby. And sometimes like when moms are fighting something, it's like, oh, I just got over, you know, I'm fighting strep throat. You know, we've just had endless illnesses in this house. A lot of times when your immune system is really beat down other things, you can be more susceptible, but really for sure, moms see it in the first couple weeks. And that, the problem with that for so many is like, that's when we're the least educated. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. like we literally have no idea what's happening. Moms no, I thought I had the, the flu the first time I got yes. it. And then I noticed all these red splotches on my boob and I was like Googling it and I had no idea what it was. And then I ended up texting a friend, I think, like, have you ever had this? And I sent her a picture of my boobs and she was like, oh yeah, that's my st- mastitis. You probably need antibiotics. And like, of course, this was five years ago, so... I didn't know about any of the things that I could do to treat it at home. So I did do the antibiotic, but I would have really liked to have not done that. So when would you know, like, okay, this is serious. I need to call my doctor. I need a prescription or, you know, I can maybe treat this at home. How do you kind of make that distinction? Yeah. So I definitely think the severity of it, you know, some moms will, you know, be able to kind of give it 24 to 48 hours of resting, doing a ton of lymphatic massage. And lymphatic massage is light massage focused on like sweeping motions up towards your arm. Because what we're trying to do is help move that inflammatory fluid that's putting pressure on your milk ducts. We're trying to help move that through into your lymph systems, to your body. So for a lot of moms, we can give it you know, 24 hours and kind of watch it. Ice can be really helpful. And then using non, like um, NSAIDs like Advil or Motrin or Tylenol can help. And a lot of times moms can, you know, treat it themselves. For sure, if you're getting sicker, if you're vomiting, if things aren't moving in the right direction, calling your doctor is a good idea. Or if it's like a Friday afternoon and you know your doctor's going out of town or you're going out of town, like, give them a call, tell them what's going on and say, you know, I want to give it some time and try these other things. But if it's not better in 24 to 36 hours, I'm going to start these antibiotics. Yeah. Knowing what typically antibiotic treatment for mastitis is like a 10 to 14 day course. So if I've had moms reach out and be like, I ended up at an urgent care at the beach and they gave me five days of Augmentin. Is this what I need? And no, it's not what you need. So The American Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine has a mastitis protocol that is available on their website. So, you know, if you're rolling up to a random ER or a random urgent care and you may not be seeing an obstetrician or even if you are seeing your OB and they just aren't up to date on the most recent information, you can bring this in at 
has the recommended doses and you can kind of make sure that you're, you know, know what you need. Perfect. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And I know that there's a lot of different opinions on other supplements like sunflower lecithin. So what is your opinion on that? So sunflower lecithin is something that is an emulsifier, lecithin is, and it can be effective for reducing the risk of kind of clogs and mastitis, especially if moms kind of are dealing with it chronically. It can upset some people's GI system. So I really like using choline, which is the more active form of lecithin, and it has much less GI side effects. And it's also just something that's really good for breastfeeding moms in general. So, you know, that is something that generally I prefer to put people on, especially if this is something that they're wanting to just take, you know, prophylactically or preventatively to make sure the mastitis kind of stays in control and you don't have any, you know, issues. So that's my preferred route. Okay, perfect. That's so helpful. Thank you. And then I know there's also uh, breastfeeding gymnastics or breast gymnastics. So yes. is that like a yes. similar a similar idea to the lymphatic massage is that we're just trying to move the fluid? Yeah. Right. Kind of does two things. So Maya Bowman, who is a IBCLC, created, you know, breast gymnastics, tagged that fun name that will n- never forget it. I um, mean, it's really just <laughs> pulling your breast up and kind of moving it in all directions. And it does two things. It kind of helps pump the lymphatic fluid up through the body and it kind of stretches the milk ducts themselves and can mm-hmm. help kind of move things along. Because um, when you're seeing a clog, 
that really is almost like a biofilm of bacteria and the different fats in, in breast milk. Not everyone who has a clog, you know, what we're calling a clog, maybe an area in their breast that feels congested or sore or painful, not everyone will ever see a clog like that come out in their breast milk. Right. You can have, you know, kind of clogs, clogs or plugs or subacute mastitis, and it really be from inflammatory fluid that's pushing on. Our milk ducts are super, super small. So even a little bit of extra fluid can really press on them and, and that milk gets backed up. And oftentimes that's actually what you're palpating. You're not palpating. I think moms like imagine this like giant lump of cottage cheese in their breast. They right. Have that's to get what out. you think of. Yeah. Clog. Right. That's what you think of. Right. And not that some moms don't have that, but again, that's really like a biofilm, the interaction okay. of the bacteria and the cholesterols in your milk. But you certainly can have areas of congestion, of firmness, of pain in your breast, and it's and you're never going to kind of express a clog. So really resisting that urge. It's like when you have a big zit on your forehead that's like brewing and, you know, we're like, you know, you shouldn't touch it. And so hard not you to pick it. Always yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing goes on with your breasts. I mean, I think moms are like, is it better or is it worse? Or is it getting bigger? Or is it, you know, and we kind of have this tendency to like dig in and kind of want to like palpate it. And we're much firmer than we need to be. So as much as you possibly can, resisting that and really focusing on this like lymphatic massage, breast gymnastics, ice, these supportive therapies. And I do really think for a lot of moms, like if you feel it brewing, if you can rest, which I know is like the hardest thing in the world, especially when you have young kids, but yeah, a lot it really of does help. You're, it really does help. Um, mm -hmm. It can make a big difference because that is one of the things that is most helpful for our immune systems is when we can give our body that yeah, for sure. And it's, yeah, like you said, easier said than done, but it really does for me, at least every time that I've had it, it, it makes a huge difference when I can just be horizontal as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the kind of day where if you have a partner, like, okay, get, put them in charge of the kids, co-nap, whatever you need to yeah. do. Cause you just like get in bed and you can, your body, you know, your immune system can kick in and, and oftentimes you don't need the antibiotics if we're able to use these supportive therapies. Right. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for clearing all of that stuff up. And before we wrap up, I would love to hear just, it could be breastfeeding related or not. What is like one thing, I know you have older kids, but what's one thing that you wish that you had known about before becoming a parent, either for the first time or the second time, or what's one thing that you just really wish people had prepared you for? I was really unprepared for the big identity shift that came with mothering mm. both times that really it was a reinvention of who I was both experiences yeah. you know of how do I how do I live in a world where I love somebody so much and like really that reinvention of self and I think it takes years, you know, like I said, I'm like still waiting for things to get easier and my daughter's <laughs> turning 12 in yeah. September. But I, I just think that kind of parenting is forever a beginner sport because yeah. it's always changing and each of our kids needs something different from us. 
Like mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Like we can't use the exact same parenting techniques or sleep techniques or breastfeeding techniques for each kid. It just doesn't translate. And, you know, so I think just becoming comfortable with sort of evolution, you know, just when you kind of figure it out, they need something different from you and you have to adjust and learning that I'm still learning that I'm still surprised yeah, <laughs> how often it changes, but it's it, so I unfair. Think it's had, like a moving target. It is a moving target. I think it's always a beginner sport. And, and I think just surrounding yourself with people in your community, other parents who you look up to, who you can maybe are a few years down the line than you can mm-hmm. give you so much perspective because I think when you're in the thick of it, especially in the newborn stage, especially when you know their needs are so high, we kind of feel like it's always going to be that way. And I think just having you know relationship with other parents that you know are in it with you or a little bit past it can can really help. It's so true because you just cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. You think like, okay, no. I guess this is my life now forever. It's always going to be this yes. hard, and it's always going to be like this. But yeah, you're right. It just it is always hard to a certain extent, but it's just a different kind of hard. And I don't think anything is as hard as the newborn stage with your first baby. It's just so intense. No, it's so intense. And I think we have such high expectations and so much pressure on ourselves. And there's so much noise, like you said, like on the, Mm -hmm. so I, I feel like it's this nuance for us of being like, there's so much noise, but I, am part of the noise. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I know I struggle with that so much. It's because it's true. It's like I'm contributing to that. But also, I also feel strongly that there needs to be like balance for people, right? Like there can't just be one way or one viewpoint of doing things. So I'm just always reminding followers to like curate your social media feed, like follow one or maybe two people that really resonate with you per topic, right? Like don't follow a million sleep people, don't follow a million breastfeeding people or you know, positive discipline or whatever, you know, play, whatever it is, pick one or two from each little category and then do what feels best yes, to you in your own, absolutely. In your own home. And you need to find the people that resonate with you. And then you need to find what works and leave the rest. Like I really exactly. believe that. So exactly. cheers to that. Well, thank you so <laughs> much. Yeah. Cheers to that with my, I have three drinks going here. I don't know which one to <laughs> cheers with, but <laughs> I've got some bone broth going. I'm like trying, like you said, to support my immune system get rid of this clog. I'm going to go do my breast gymnastics now. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your wisdom. And where can people find you and find your classes and all of that stuff? So yeah, I am on Instagram at The Balance Food and then www.thebalancefood.com. That's where everything is. Perfect. Thank you so much again. And we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Bye, Kelly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 